What's happening, everybody? On today's show, yet another national championship for the SEC as LSU takes home the trophy, winning the women's college basketball crown. Also, an update on spring football around the conference and much more. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. And remember, Locked on SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. Well, let's dive into it as the LSU women's basketball team defeated Iowa 102-85 to in the NCAA Women's Tournament Championship game at American Airlines Center in Dallas to win their first title in program history it was a game with some questionable officiating on both sides but LSU head coach Kim Mulkey earns her fourth title as a head coach and the LSU Tigers set a record for the most points scored in a women's title game with over 100 Caitlin Clark the national player of the year for the Iowa Hawkeyes comes up short in their first title game appearance it was a game that honestly was Fun offense to watch on both sides. Uh, Jasmine Carson was the big surprise for LSU as uh, she was about as perfect as you could get. LSU jumped out to a 59-42 lead at the half. And again, some questionable calls. LSU dropped 59 points on the Hawkeyes, shooting 58% from the field and nine made three-pointers on 12 attempts. Uh, LSU's 59 points was the most scored in a women's Final Four in the first half ever. And Jasmine Carson, who averaged two points a game and had not scored in three games, she had 21 first-half points on seven of seven shooting. Uh, she even made a bucket right at that, the end of the first half, made a three. It was unbelievable. And five LSU players finished in double figures, led by Jasmine Carson off the bench with the 22 points. Alexis Morris she had 22, defended Caitlin Clark as well as she could. And Angel Reese, who earned most outstanding player honors, she finished with 15 and set a record for single-season double-doubles. Like we said, Caitlin Clark, the National Player of the Year, she carried Iowa on a dominant run throughout the tournament. She scored a game-high 30 points, but she got caught in foul trouble, uh, got a technical call in the third quarter as Iowa was trying to mount a comeback. And LSU prevailed as Kim Mulkey became the first women's basketball coach to lead two different programs to a national championship, bringing one home to her home state of Louisiana in just her second year at the helm at LSU. And the 60-year-old coach now has four titles after winning three at Baylor. Angel Reese crumpled to the floor at midcourt after their win in front of a sold-out American Airlines center crowd of over 19,500. Uh, Kim Mulkey took this program from nine wins in 2020-2021 to 26 a year ago in her first year to now winning it all in year two. Unbelievable turnaround for a program that was desperate, that was hungry, that was craving 
some kind of success. You remember about 15 years ago, LSU had all those great Final Four runs with Sylvia Fowles and Simone Augustus that came up short against programs like Tennessee and UConn and Baylor and you know, all these coaches who were doing it at a high level. Of course, all those big years with Pat Summit at Tennessee and then Gino Ariema had his run at UConn. And Kim Mulkey, she had a run at Baylor, winning several titles. And now she has brought that to LSU and won in year two. What will the future hold for her? The sky seems to be the limit. But Mulkey bolstered this roster through the transfer portal with Angel Reese, formerly of Maryland, leading the way as uh, Reese set the LSU and SEC single-season rebounding record after initially planning to transfer to either Tennessee or South Carolina, but she went on a recruiting trip with Kateri Poole and fell in love with LSU. And less than a year later, Reese was named the tournament's most outstanding player and has a national championship ring while setting the NCAA single-season double-double record with 34. Like I said, she finished Sunday with 15 points and 10 rebounds. Iowa did get within seven points in the second half, but they could not complete the comeback. And LSU finishes the season 34-2. Their lone losses, the regular season loss at South Carolina and the loss to Tennessee in the SEC tournament semifinal. The Tigers will now uh, depart Dallas today and board a charter flight to Baton Rouge where there will be a welcoming uh, gathering at the Maravich Center at about noon on Monday. It will have a uh, national championship celebration held on LSU's campus very soon. But uh, here was Kim Mulkey talking a little bit about that win. I think I lost it with about a minute and a half. You did? Yeah. And I was holding it in, holding it in, and then I just couldn't. I couldn't. And I was trying to squeeze my nose, anything I could do, and it, it wouldn't stop. And I just looked across at those LSU fans and Flage and Angel looking at me, and I'm like, this game's not over, but I think we're fixing to win it. So, again, congrats to Kim Mulkey and her team now. Some things did make the rounds on social media on Sunday after the win. Caitlin Clark for Iowa, known for her competitive spirit. And Angel Reese and LSU knew all about that. And Angel Reese made a gesture uh, in the final minutes of the game. And Caitlin Clark's direction, pointing at her hand. Uh, first doing the John Cena, you can't see me gesture, waving her hand in front of her. And then at another point, uh, pointing at her ring finger. Um, showing that they're about to win the ring. Now, fans and media had mixed reactions to Reese's signals. She pointed at Caitlin Clark. Danny Cannell called the move classless on Twitter. Others agreed with him. And some said, hey, look, Caitlin Clark did the same thing throughout the tournament. She did the same thing to Louisville in the Elite Eight. Did the can't, you can't see me. Talk trash to South Carolina and their win over them in the Final Four. So, you know, look. Depends where you want to come down on it. I tend to have the Steve Spurrier mentality of, hey, uh, if it's so bad, stop me. You know, like if if, if you don't like me uh, taunting you and getting in your face and celebrating, then uh, don't let me score. Don't let me beat you. Um, I get it. I get some people think that, you know, you should be uh, gracious and, and show class in a win. But uh, when the other opponent leading up to this also was a trash talker I tend to be okay with it but I understand why some people would would be opposed to the uh to the gestures but nonetheless 
Look, Angel Reese got the ring. And Caitlin Clark will have a decision on whether she's going to come back for another year at Iowa and try to make a run next year. There's no denying, though, this was a very entertaining women's basketball tournament. If for those of you who uh, might be the most casual of casual women's basketball viewers, uh, I know a lot of people like that, and they were locked in on these games. The South Carolina-Iowa uh, Final Four game was outstanding. The LSU uh, comeback against Virginia Tech on Friday was outstanding. And then I thought the championship game lived up to the hype. And let's be real. Uh, a lot of people have issues with women's basketball throughout the years, saying, you know, maybe it's not the most enter- aesthetically pleasing or entertaining. You know, a lot of the shot percentages have been down in recent years. That was not the case in this Final Four, and particularly the championship game. Unbelievable shooting from both teams, uh, shooting over 50%, and they put on a show. And hopefully this leads to even more interest in the women's game moving forward because it was an outstanding run, outstanding fun uh, championship game on both sides. And uh, got to think LSU is going to bring a lot of talent back next year. Iowa will bring talent back, and that brings me to our next point, uh, South Carolina is going to bring a lot back, but they will not bring back Aaliyah Boston as her decorated South Carolina career officially came to a close. She announced that Saturday she has declared for the 2023 WNBA draft, leaving South Carolina after four years. COVID waiver did give her a chance at a fifth year, but she announced on Twitter she is heading to the pros. She started all 138 games of her college career, averaged 14 points a game, her name is all over the record books at South Carolina uh, for career season and single-game records. She most notably holds multiple program records for rebounds and double-doubles in a season. She's a four-time first-team All-SEC selection, three-time unanimous All-American, and has a ton of national awards. This year she got SEC Player of the Year, SEC Defensive Player of the Year, Naismith Player of the Year, uh, Naismith Defensive Player of the Year. The, the list goes on and on and on. And uh, congrats to Leah Boston on a phenomenal career. They couldn't go back-to-back. Dawn Staley's crew uh, that run this year ended in the Final Four after winning the championship a year ago. But uh, nonetheless, uh, the championship does stay in the SEC with LSU winning it. And uh, I got a feeling Dawn Staley's crew is going to be right back in the hunt next year. <laughs> Might be bringing this thing home again next year. Uh, so we will see. But uh, congrats to Aaliyah Boston on a fantastic career. And congrats to uh, all the SEC women's basketball teams on a, a fantastic season, uh, overcoming expectations, getting multiple teams into the uh, tournament and making some runs. So congrats to all. And again, congrats to LSU and Kim Mulkey. All right. Thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we're going to switch gears, talk some uh, SEC football, and then a little bit later, give you an update on a lot of the SEC men's basketball players who are staying, uh, who's staying, who's going pro. We will touch on that in just a bit. But first, this episode is presented to you by our friends over at Built Bar. The Built March uh, Madness Bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now is your time to go make it count. So go to builtmarchmadness.com to go vote for your favorite. And you know that we like the bars, we like the puffs, we like all of them. And if you want to go vote, you need to go vote for the bar that you like the best. Support your team, support your bar or puff. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 uh, of our lucky uh, Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built Bars. Not only that, but uh, one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built. 
uh, to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered straight to your door. You got to go try Built. Go check them out. They're the best protein bar ever. They are amazing. You won't even know that they're good for you. It makes Built Bars so tough. Well, they are high in protein, low in sugar, and covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right. Real chocolate. So run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff. I'm looking at we are down to a final four. We got the cookie dough chunk puff versus the salted caramel bar, and then the brownie batter puff versus the cookies and cream bar. You cannot go wrong with the cookies and cream. You need to go vote for them. Again, go to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now. Get your vote in, and while you're there, order a box of Built Bars. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick uh, for Built Bar. here locked on sec and uh we are getting into the thick of it guys we're into april that means we got some spring games coming up auburn will be in action this weekend so we got plenty to get into plenty to discuss we're going to do that throughout this whole week but let's jump into it let's go around the conference Boots out to the right. around the conference and we start over at georgia as their quarterback situation is one of the top spring storylines in all of college football uh, after Stetson Bennett led the Bulldogs to back-to-back national titles, he is on the way out. And in Athens, it's a three-man battle. Quarterback Carson Beck is the most experienced of the trio, serving as Stetson Bennett's backup last season with seven appearances. Uh, this will be year three for Brock Vandergriff. After two seasons of limited playing time, he was the highest-rated recruit of the three coming out of high school. And then Gunnar Stockton, gearing up for his sophomore season after not playing last year. Saturday... Georgia held their first scrimmage of the spring, and here was what Kirby said about the quarterbacks. He said, Carson Beck has really good command of the offense. He understands it inside and out, communicates it, gets things correct. He had a couple poor decisions and choices today, but he also made some plays, made some really good throws. He has a really good presence in the pocket and moves around. Sounds good. What about Brock? Well, he said, Brock Vandergriff, he made some plays. Made some plays get out of the pocket, made some good throws. He had a couple of downfield throws that I think he wished he had back to give us a chance in some 50-50 situations. Keep the ball in bounds with that. He did a really good job in the two-minute as well. What about Gunnar Stockton? He said Gunnar made some plays. Made some plays with his feet. He still said the administration of the offense, getting everybody lined up, getting going, getting the call in, which is not all on him. He's grown. He's getting better. He made some nice throws. Smart further revealed that Brock Vandergriff and Carson Beck got reps with the first-string offense. Stockton, meanwhile, worked with the second and third-string units. Smart said he has confidence in all three. He said, I'm going to keep repeating myself, but we have three pretty good quarterbacks, and they've grown each of them, and all three are different in their own ways. The only thing I would say here is really newsworthy. I mean, it expects to be Carson Beck is going to win this job. And if he doesn't, okay, so it's Brock Vandergriff, whatever. But the thing to watch for me will be what happens with Gunnar Stockton. Does he decide to hit the transfer portal? Do all three guys stay? That, to me, will be one of the other storylines to keep an eye on there at Georgia throughout the spring. All right, let's jump back into it over at over at Ole Miss. A uh, veteran Ole Miss tight end is reportedly opting for the transfer portal, according to various reports. Casey Kelly is entering the transfer portal as a grad transfer. He's the younger brother of former Ole Miss quarterback Chad Kelly. Uh, was a member of the 2019 recruiting class. He's seen playing time in each of the last three seasons. 
and uh, he recorded just three catches for 17 yards and a touchdown last season. Almost 300 yards receiving and three scores in his time there in Oxford, but it sounds like he is hitting the portal, so we'll see where he ends up. All right, over at Tennessee, some recruiting news. They got their future quarterback. Uh, The Vols landed a commitment from four-star quarterback Jake Merklinger uh, this past weekend. He chose Tennessee over the likes of Georgia, North Carolina, and Michigan State. He's from Savannah, Georgia, 6'3", 195 pounds. He is the number 55 overall player in next year's class and the number six quarterback in the country, the number nine player from the state of Georgia. Of course, the Vols just landed Nico Yamaliava in this year's class. And uh, Tennessee now up to six commitments for the class of 2024. So Merklinger, got to keep an eye on there for the future at quarterback for Tennessee. Meanwhile, over at LSU, Brian Kelly has added to his 2024 class, picked it up Aaron Burrell, a standout in-state kicker. Uh, was rated one of the uh, top kickers in the cl- in this class, number two kicker in this class, according to Cole's Kicking, rated as a five-star prospect. So uh, we'll see him possibly kick and field goals for LSU down the road. Meanwhile, over at South Carolina, Shane Beamer, they won a big major in-state recruiting battle over the weekend, picking up a commitment from three-star offensive line prospect Blake Franks, chose South Carolina over the likes of Clemson, Florida, and Alabama. He is six foot five, 310 pounds, big addition for the Gamecocks. Uh, currently the number 34 offensive lineman in the class of 2024. And then some uh, not-so-great news for uh, Georgia as Deuce Robinson, the number one tight end in this year's class, the 2023 class, finally made his decision uh, on Thursday. He announced he had picked the USC Trojans. He took his uh, commitment announcement past you know, signing day and all that kind of stuff. So he will not be playing in the SEC. Uh, over Kentucky, uh, Will Levis... Uh, of course, is uh, getting ready to head to the NFL draft. He had his pro day last week at Kentucky, and some folks think that he will not fall out of the top four. According to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, he says there's a lot of chatter about the Indianapolis Colts taking Levis fourth overall. So uh, some combination of Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis could all end up going top five in this year's draft. That would be uh, fantastic for the talent of the SEC. And there you have it. That is the latest going on around the conference. Coming up next, we're going to touch on some of the uh, SEC basketball players, men's basketball players, making their big decisions. All right, roll along here, Locked On SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. And uh, obviously, we talked about the Women's uh, National Championship over the weekend with LSU taking it home over Iowa. But the uh, Men's Basketball Championship coming down to tonight, UConn versus San Diego State. Obviously, no SEC teams involved, but there are some SEC guys making their decisions on next season. So let's jump into it with guys making their choices. Brandon Miller uh, wrote Alabama fans a thank you note as he officially declared for the NBA draft on Friday afternoon. We expected that. Uh, obviously, he was one of the best players in college basketball. He was named the SEC Player of the Year. Led Alabama to the regular season SEC title. Helped them earn a one seed for the first time in program history. And he is projected to be a top five pick in this year's draft. So, best of luck to Brandon Miller. Alabama's Noah Clowney. He announced Saturday he will enter the NBA draft. 
uh, made no mention of potentially maintaining his college eligibility. He's a former four-star prospect, averaged close to 10 points and eight rebounds a game this year. Javon Quinterly for Alabama made his decision. He told John Rothstein of CBS Sports he will enter his name into the draft, but he will maintain his eligibility just in case he doesn't get drafted. So Quinterly, Brandon Miller, and Noah Clowney all off to the NBA draft. But Javon Quinterly could come back if uh, things don't work out for him. Over at Kentucky, their uh, freshman guard, Cason Wallace, he officially declared for the draft on Saturday, ending his one year in Lexington. He is the second Wildcat to announce he is heading to the draft, joining Jacob Toppin. He announced on Friday he is head entering the draft. Uh, as of this recording, Oscar Shibway still has yet to make a decision on his future, and uh, we will see where Jacob Toppin and Cason Wallace end up getting drafted in the NBA draft. Over at Arkansas, Nick Smith Jr., he announced he is heading to the NBA draft. He tweeted out, this year it's been an incredible journey. Thankful to, for all the love and support I've received from my hometown and all the Hog fans. Thank you to everybody. Shared he is declaring for the draft. Shot 37%, 33% from three-point range. He is projected as a lottery pick. Uh, Arkansas, though, they are getting some good news. Trevon Brazil, sophomore forward, will return for next season. He announced that a couple days ago and uh, ensured that Coach Eric Musselman will have the bulk of his rotation back for uh, next season in nine games before a season-ending injury. Uh, Brazil averaged close to 12 points and six rebounds a game, shot 48% from the field. So that's a big get to bring back for Arkansas. And then one other piece, Devo Davis, been a big piece for Arkansas. He is heading to uh, the NBA draft, but will maintain his eligibility, keeping the door open for a potential return. So... Keep an eye on Devo Davis for Arkansas. Uh, EJ Jarvis, he was a starting forward at Yale this past year. He is committed to play for Florida, choosing Todd Golden's Gators over the likes of Notre Dame, Cal, Georgetown, Miami. I uh, shared the news on Twitter Friday. He will head to Gainesville after three seasons at Yale. Became a regular starter this past year in 29 games, averaged 11 points and five and a half rebounds in 22 minutes per game. And some SEC baseball news. LSU entered the weekend looking to take care of business against Tennessee, and they took two out of three. LSU won 5-2 to two to open the series on Thursday, came back to win a tough win 6-4 to four on Friday night. Tennessee did avoid the sweep with a 14-7 win in Game 3 on Saturday. Kentucky swept Missouri. Vanderbilt swept Georgia. And then South Carolina took two out of three at Mississippi State. Florida took two out of three against Auburn. AM took two out of three against Ole Miss. And Arkansas took two out of three against Alabama. So take a look at our SEC baseball standings where we are. Vanderbilt sits high atop the SEC East, undefeated at 9-0 in the conference. Right behind them at South Carolina and Kentucky, both at 8-1. Florida at 7-2. Weird to look at Tennessee below 500 in the conference. They sit there at 4-5. Missouri's now 3-6, and six, and Georgia 1-8. and eight. Over on the west side, it's LSU and Arkansas, both at 6-3. and three. Of course, LSU has the head-to-head over Arkansas. Uh, they have won two out of three in all three of their SEC uh, matchups so far, the LSU team has. And then behind them, it's all sub-500s. Bama, Auburn, and A&M all sitting at 3-6. and six. And the last two national champions, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, both sitting there at the bottom, both at 1-8 and eight in conference play. So, man, expecting either of those teams start turning this thing around. 
They won their championships and just kind of bottomed out here. But uh, tip of the cap to Vanderbilt and Kentucky, uh, really exceeding expectations so far this season. LSU and Arkansas, both kind of where we thought they would be, Florida as well. And uh, Tennessee, kind of underwhelming so far. That dominant pitching staff played some very competitive games with LSU over the weekend, but just uh, dropped two out of three out there in Baton Rouge. But winning that third game was big for Tennessee to avoid that sweep. And they jumped on LSU on Saturday morning. I think it was like 6 nothing in the first inning. So uh, Tony Vitello's crew need to regroup and get back above 500. And there you have it. That is... The latest stuff going on around the conference, latest scores and news and everything else. And uh, we're going to catch you caught up with everything throughout the week. Like we mentioned, we'll talk more uh, spring football as we get closer to some uh, spring games happening this week. And next, we'll start previewing those a little bit more in depth and what to watch for as we uh, start to close the book on this basketball season. Thank you guys again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. And uh, now you can make your second listen. Check out the Locked on College Basketball podcast. They are recapping everything from around the world of college basketball. Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Hear from some big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked on SEC. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.